You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Powered by Patterson Square Garden, I'm Derek Gunn. Of course, the Eagles have now completed eight games in the uh, 2021 NFL slate. They are three up and five down. And uh, I thought this week I would do something a little different. I'm going to go back to a flash in the past. Uh, a guy who was uh, a prominent fixture for the Eagles around 2009, 2010. And now he's a head football coach down in Florida. I'm still getting used to that. But he is a guy I have not only the utmost admiration for, but also an, uh, an unbelievable amount of respect for, not as a football player, but as a person that he is. And you'll find out why in just a moment. He is a former NFL fullback, Leonard Weaver. How you doing, man? The gun is, man, I'm doing good. And it's always a pleasure, man, to see your face. I like the goatee slash uh, mustache mixture there, man. You look good, man. You see how yours is still all black, but I got more gray than black in mine? So what does that tell you? Well, look, if you look close now, the gray trying to peep in, man. Go get some dye back there, man. Oh, man, you know, you've come a long way since your NFL playing days. You were dabbling in real estate, and and now you're a head football coach. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But first of all, being a former Eagle, do you still keep tabs on this Philadelphia Eagles team? Not as much as I used to, but I definitely do from time to time. I check in, of course, and uh, to see how the team is doing. Uh, of course, I have kept in contact as far as, you know, uh, or should I say visual as far as the transitions that has been happening, and um, it's been a little interesting. So what do you think about this current 3-5 and five team? I mean, they're going through some growing pains. Well, I mean, being a high school head coach, and I know it's nothing like the NFL, but I do know about transition, and I do know about when you're trying to come in as a new head coach and new system, and you got players trying to adjust, that it's a little bit of a turnover there. And, uh, you know, you got to work through your kinks in the beginning. And uh, I think year two, if it comes to that in this particular situation, year two will probably be the more defining moment for this team uh, to see kind of how the transition fully took place. When you watch an Eagles game or when you watch NFL games in general, do you watch as just a fan or do you still sit back and analyze games? I analyze everything. Um, <laughs> as a head, 
analyzed everything. I don't I don't think I've ever had a moment to really be a fan uh, because I'm looking at the calls. If it's third and long, man, why are they making that call? You know, uh, second and short, you know, why are they running that pass? What's that concept? Man, why are they doing that versus cover four? Why are they doing cover six? So, you know, I'm always kind of sitting back analyzing the game from uh, from my perspective just as a head coach and, and as a former player. This young quarterback the Eagles have, Jalen Hurts, man, is he under a lot of pressure. Playing in, in a city like Philadelphia is tough enough, but – you know, take me through. You were a young player once uh, in a high-profile, high-pressure, uh, you know, profession. But you also played in a high-pressure city like Philadelphia. Take me through a young man's mind trying to survive in Philadelphia, especially playing for the the, the number one team in the city, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I would have to say, man, uh, you know, right now it is a lot of pressure um, because you feel like in his position being a quarterback, you're more high profile than, of course, any fullback or a player there is. But um, it's a lot of pressure on him. And right now, I believe that, you know, he's probably going through that process of trying to shut out all the noise, uh, die down all the, the pressure and, and kind of hone in and focus on himself. But if I had to say anything to him is and to encourage, uh, you know, Mr. Hertz and, and, you know, the team is, you know, man, just keep moving, you know, keep fighting because Philly, we all know, is a tough city to play in. They're going to let you know when you suck. They're going to let you know when you can't do it. But I think that's also a form of love. That's why they call it the city of brotherly love. I mean, that's that's a form of love that I think people, most people don't understand. Love is not always gushy-mushy, you did a good job and everything's perfect. There's also a side of love, uh, D-Gun, that you know, that you got to be you got to point out the wrongs. You got to let them know what time it is. And as a former player, understanding that and a coach, uh, I think he understands that too. So, you know, just, hey, man, keep your head up, keep moving, baby, and understand the city of Philly loves you, man. It's just that right now, things ain't going well, and they let you know we need to fix it. You know, when you played the game, the fullback position was a prominent position in the National Football League. I believe in 2009, you were voted the top fullback in the game. Not only that, but after that season, Eagle signed you to an $11 million uh, contract, $6.5 million guaranteed, and it was the richest contract ever paid to a fullback. <laughs> but when you look at the game yes, now, are you surprised basically the, the fullback is obsolete in today's game? Well, you know, yeah, it's a few of them out there. I think uh, San Fran, you know, they done paid my man some good money. I wish I was still playing. I could probably use a little bit of that right now. <laughs> but, uh, no, man. <laughs> but, but no, man, uh, you're right. I mean, it is more of an obsolete league in terms of the, the position. But, I mean, but that's the gun. That's, that's one thing that I've always preached, right, being versatile. You got to be a guy that can move around and not just be stationary. And uh, I think it's something that's important for all these, you know, the young cats to know when they're coming up that, look, you got to make yourself available and valuable to to the offenses and and, and to the to the teams. You know, um, since you retired from the game, you have been involved in high school football coaching uh, for a while. And just earlier this year, you were named the new head coach at Park Vista yes. Community High School down there in uh, Lake Worth, Florida. How's the season gone so far? Oh man, it's going pretty good for 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 the most part. The transition has been, you know, a tough one, but we've been doing it. We started off hot at going five and zero. We went down two the past two weeks, and now we're playing our last game, uh, looking to get into the playoffs. Are you more of a disciplinarian head coach like the old school Tom Landry's, Chuck Knowles, or are you like these new modern coaches now who who try to be buddy buddy and be a so called players coach? 
I'm a little bit of both. I do think it's it's important that you have discipline in this game. You got to have it. I mean, we talk about getting on the field and accomplishing plays and being able to execute. When you execute anything, you have to have a form of discipline. Uh, but on the other side, too, I think as a coach, you have to also be relational. In my position as a high school head coach, it's probably more beneficial and, and probably more needed than you are in the business at the NFL and maybe at the college level. Um, but I do think it's very important that relationships are established and that you show the guys, the players that you're coaching, that you're not only approachable, uh, but you're somebody who understands. And with my wisdom and with my you know, background, I believe I can help a lot of these young guys through yeah. the process whether it's high school, college, or pro. So I think it's beneficial for both. I can't visualize you as, as a yeller and a screamer. You you were always so reserved, so quiet, so well thought out. I, I'm, I'm having a problem visualizing <laughs> that aspect of Leonard Weaver. Look, Derek, don't, man. D-Gun, don't. <laughs> my players get on me all the time. Matter of fact, yesterday before, you know, I, I tease them quite a bit. We condition. I'm old school in that sense. We condition still in high school. And I put them on the line, man, and immediately they started saying something and repeating it after the whole year. I always tell them, I'm not going to keep any secrets from you. We're, when we get on that line, you know conditioning is coming. And so now when they get on the line, they say, I'm not going to keep no secrets, coach. I'm not going to keep no secrets. So it's, it's an ongoing joke, man. But, uh, but I do have moments where I yell and I, and I have to get into guys and I let them know. But I also have those moments. What I really love is you get to encourage them, let them know that you're right there by their side and that you love them. And uh, I, I enjoy, that's why I'm in it. I enjoy both aspects of it. Do you, do you put them through some of those old Andy Reid type drills? Absolutely. Matter <laughs> of fact, look, man, I, a lot of the stuff that I got is, is from what I learned, man, which I think is effective. Uh, even in our playbook, man, I mean, it's the same thing, you know, taking a lot of those things. And, and the kids love it, too, man. They love seeing that they're doing stuff that they, they see on TV or that they have seen. Uh, man, it's really exciting. The guys, are they're, they're taking to it. Now, as I said, you dabbled in real estate, but it ha has, has high school coaching always been a passion for you? Is this something you've always wanted to do, be a high school football coach? Absolutely. Um, I kind of stepped away for a little while. Um, 2006 was really my first year. Uh, I did it at Renton High School in Seattle uh, with Terry Metcalf at the time, and, uh, and the experience blew my mind. Uh, I knew at that point I wanted to do it at some point. Uh, and, uh, you know, since then I've coached in the Tropical Bowl, which is a collegiate D1 bowl, um, and I've had various opportunities to interact with players and coaches. I love it, man, D-Gun. Mm. I mean, I love the fact that you get to pour into young men, which is something that I value very much from my experience, um, you know, with their decision-making, um, you know, how to go about life and how to set themselves up. So, yeah, I took a back seat to real estate after a while and, and jumped in uh, here not too, just a few years ago, man, and said, I'm going to get back into this coaching thing. And God blessed me with an opportunity to be a head coach. And, uh, and so now I'm running with it, man, and pouring into the lives of the kids that I'm coaching. You know, when I talked to a lot of former players, they said they don't want to coach because it's a D-gun, man, you can't coach these kids nowadays, man. You can't coach, you know, a, a collection of kids – like we got coached all as one. You have to coach these kids nowadays individually because the personalities and the emotions are, are so different. Do you find that to be true? Absolutely. Uh, I think it's definitely changed, D-Gun, since myself, you have come up with yeah. the coaches we had. Um, you know, I don't think you have to coach them collectively, uh, individually rather, but I do think that what the problem is is trust. Um, I think when you gain the trust and uh, the respect of these kids, which, you know, you think like, why do we have to do that? Yeah. Unfortunately, we're in a time where the kids, 
they have social media and they have people that they respect that they don't even know. And so unfortunately, when you come in, you come into a situation a lot of times where a program has been broken down by a previous coaching staff. They did things a certain way that maybe degraded the players or whatever. And when you come in, you try to change it around. So is it difficult? Yeah. But I also think it pushes us as coaches to find out what, what you have as a coach. Like, are you really a good coach? It's one thing to have a lot of talent and be able to say, go out there and make it happen yeah. versus taking guys who aren't talented and saying, hey, we got to make sure you're in the right position. You got to take the right angle. So it pushes and I, and I welcome the challenge. It, it reminds me, and this is probably why I love it so much. It's a challenge just like the NFL. You know, every week there is something you have to attack, something you have to conquer, something you have to get better at. Coaching is the same thing for me. There's always something that I need to get better at, something that I see that I got to improve on. And that's the challenge that probably drives and fuels me to uh, to coach like I coach and to, to be a part of it. Do you think because you were former NFL players, uh, players, young players listen to you more so maybe? I think that's a lot of it. Okay. Yeah, they 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 me uh, I'm not too far out of the game I mean I am but I'm not um, I think also the fact that you know they they've watched me go through the process in terms of on YouTube or some of their family members or fans or whatever so that I think plays a major part and then the part that actually actually being able to coach mm-hmm. so now you interact with them you show them how you know how to do the plays you're, you're, you're teaching them how to read coverages you're showing them the fundamentals of the game that maybe they hadn't learned before and uh, and then it just adds on to it mm-hmm. and uh, maintaining who you are be who you are at all times, you know, as a coach and don't be flaky over here. And, you know, so I just try to take those morals and values that I have within myself and from my belief system and incorporate them into my coaching with the players, as well as with my coaches. Um, Is there any coach past or present that you pattern your coaching after? Um, Yes, I I will have to say um, Andy Reid and Mike Holmgren play a huge part in that. Um, The reason why their styles were very quiet but at the end of the day, you also knew they meant business. Um, they were very detail oriented. Uh, they were very specific in terms of how things are done. And so I have a tendency myself of actually taking a lot of that and, and instilling it into the kids, you know, taking it serious about what you do. You know, it's a time to play. It's a time not to play. Uh, but there's also a time to execute and take, you know, taking notes, when yeah. we, you know, film time, you know, just trying to really train them and prepare them for the next level. And so I take some of that from from them. And then there's, you know, the Stump Mitchell slash Ted Williams, who were my running back coaches. And, and uh, those are two different individuals. Stump's a very quiet guy, very reserved. But, man, he goes hard if you don't do what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he coaches with a lot of passion. Then Ted more to lay back. You know what you're supposed to do type of guy. Mm-hmm. And he's that relational bring you in, kind of help you see reality from a different point of view. So I try to incorporate all of those coaches uh, into my style because I think all of them have very valuable knowledge and uh, very valuable ways in terms of handling players and uh, the the playbook and the system. Mm. Um, I want to go back to that day in 2010. Um, I was at that game covering that game. Uh, It was your first carry of the season. And it was also your last carry of the season, one of the most devastating, horrific knee injuries um, I've ever had to witness and, and cover. Uh, here we are, you know, like 11 years removed from that scenario. Is it something that is still etched in your mind or have you thoroughly moved on from what basically ended your career? Um, I have thoroughly moved on from it. Yeah. Uh, I think it, it took me D-Gun. I remember when you came down to Alabama to yep. visit and we some time together it was still fresh in me then 
Uh, and then going into that season, watching the Eagles come out the tunnel for the first time and, and play their first game in Detroit and watching those guys, you know, have fun, it hit me real hard. And so that whole year for me, really that whole year and, and year and a half after that, it was really difficult. But at this point, I've moved on. I've, I've learned from it. Um, I understand what it was about. Um, and I'm not afraid of it. Mm -hmm. And it becomes more a testimony to a lot of the young players about, you know, the longevity of the league. You never know when your time is up mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that you make smart moves, smart investments, and to make sure that you are taking care of yourself and your family. So uh, it's become more of a tool for me now at this particular point and, uh, you know, an option, an opportunity for me to speak, not only about my faith, but mm -hmm. about what I went through. Mm -hmm. As much as you, you held on hope, after that injury, that there was a possibility you could return to the game. Was it somewhere back in your mind that you knew that, you know what, my career is done? Uh, to be honest with you, yeah, yeah. I, I did. And I, and, and, I, and I looked at it, I tried to take it as a challenge, just like mm -hmm. with coaching and everything else I have in my life, um, something that I needed to overcome. But it came a point in time in my life where I realized you know, what's more important at this particular point? You know, me trying to go out there to prove that I could come back mm -hmm. uh, and not 100% or me being the father that I needed to be and the man that I needed to be uh, for my family and, and becoming a better person because I was in such a bad place then. So um, I had to make that decision and I was okay with that. You know, uh, as you just uh, talked about, um, uh, shortly after that, I had a chance to go down to Birmingham and spend some quality time with you and a great staff of uh, therapists down there who who went well above above the the call of duty to uh, give me and my photographer access to to you rehabbing and to a lot of pictures of your knee after the surgery and what they were doing to your foot to try to stabilize the tendon there when they put a button in the bottom of your foot and, and things like that and I'm thinking why would you put yourself through this you know what mm -hmm. I mean I understand it's one thing to try to get back to normal to get back into a normal flow of life. But you were still mm -hmm. in that frame of mind after something like that, something that devastating emotionally, mentally, physically, you were still determined to try to resume your career as a professional athlete. And I'm thinking, why in the world would anybody put themselves through <laughs> that, man? That's right. Well, I mean, for me, Digun, um, being where I am now in life, uh, you know, going through, going back to school and, and getting my master's, uh, in psychology and sports psychology, and uh, I under I, I now know what it was. It was what I what I've been speaking about pretty much since we've been on this this call, this interview. Yeah. There was something inside of me that looked at it as a challenge, and I had to prove to myself that I could do this. It really wasn't about everybody else. It was about Leonard. And at a point in time, it got where you realize there are certain things in life that you don't have to prove to yourself. There are certain things in life you don't have to accomplish to show yourself that you are valued or that you're good enough. And once I reached that point, I realized I had matured as a young man, realizing that, you know what, there are things in life that stop for a reason. And I believe that in that moment in time that that the Lord really was showing me that, Leonard, I have other stuff for you to do. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I did the injury. I'm not saying that I caused you to get hurt. But what I am saying is that this portion of your life is now over. Let's let's deal with it. Let's accept it. Let's confront it. And then what you do, you use it as your testimony moving forward. So that's what it became about for me is understanding that, you know what, it's OK to say, man, 
God, I didn't quite do that. Mm. It's okay and to, to accept the fact that, you know what, it's not that I'm a failure, but I realize that this is something that's beyond my physical ability to, to, to overcome. So um, once I realized that, I said, okay, now I, I can move on and, and, and not have the, the plague of, man, I wish I had done that better because I played the game full speed all the time. So I had no regrets. Um, you went through a bout of depression during that time too. Um, what was that? Yeah. What was that like? It was tough. It was, um, man, I, I was into everything. My life was kind of spiraling out of control. Uh, you know, man, I, I went through a divorce. I, I was out, you know, pretty much in the streets doing all kinds of stuff, drugs, man. I was just, my life was spiraling out because I felt like I lost everything that I, that I, that I had and that I needed. And the reality of it through that D gun, I realized the most important thing that I needed was my family. And I ended up rejecting them yeah. trying to prove myself and, and, you know, trying to go after the goal that I felt I needed to be secure. Mm. So, like I said, man, was a lot of life lessons through that, but I did. Yes, sir. And I ended up overcoming and I thank my savior, Lord and Jesus Christ to, mm. for helping me and bringing the right people around me to help me through that. You, you talked about you were doing drugs. What kind of drugs were you doing? Oh man, I was marijuana drinking. I was doing a little bit of everything. Wow. Man. I mean, you know, you could pretty much, put your hand on it, man. I, I was out there. I, wow. I wasn't in a good place in life. And, uh, and I'm not afraid to talk about yeah. it or ashamed to say it because I'm now over that portion and I'm delivered from those things, but it was a really tough time, mm. man. And I didn't realize how much football really meant to me mm -hmm. until it was taken. What brought you out of the depression? The kids. Wow. Uh, my value and who I am wasn't based on me playing. You know, I felt like my value was now based on the wisdom I had from playing to give to someone else. Um, I oftentimes live by the creed of I can't take everything to the grave. Mm -hmm. And I believe that there are a lot of there are a lot of things in the grave that potentially should have been great, but they weren't because people held on to them or they didn't share them or they didn't pass them on. And I believe that the Lord put me here on earth to pass on that knowledge, mm. that wisdom, uh, life lessons that I've learned, the mistakes that I've made, the pit holes that I fell in so that those kids don't have to go through them. They can say, no, nope. I remember when coach Weaver, he told me about this story. This is something that I can bypass. Mm. And, you know, I believe that that's more valuable and that's more important than me trying to show everyone or even to myself that football, I can still play the game. Now, even today, you still have lingering effects from that injury. You have something that's called foot drop. What, yeah. what exactly is that? It's a permanent, uh, basically, uh, you know, you can't use my foot. It has no movement in terms of being able to dorsiflex, mm. come up. You know, I, I have to overlift my knee just to be able to walk. Um, you know, it's a permanent disability that does affect, um, you know, how I go about life. But um, it's something that I'm not going to let stop me uh, from doing what I love to do. You know, if I got to get a cane, which I do, uh, if I got to get a golf cart, if I got to wheel my way out there, D-Gun, yeah. that's what I'm going to do for these kids because it, it's about the message and not necessarily about the messenger. Well, you know, you have a great testimony, man, and keep sharing that testimony with each and every person you encounter. I don't have to tell you that, but, you know, from a coaching perspective, now that you're so entrenched as a high school football coach, do you ever see yourself going to the next level as a collegiate or maybe NFL coach someday? No, absolutely. I, I would love that opportunity, yeah. um, you know, to be able to to get back to the NFL or even get to college, uh, to be able to share that same story and to connect with new people. And like I said, for, for college level, being able to to, to recruit guys and, and build those relationships mm -hmm. and, you know, and then at the NFL level, being able to, you know, deal with the man, man to man and be able to talk to him and, and build that bond, too. So, yeah, I look at 
possibly going to both levels if I can at some point in time in my life and uh, being able to send that same message and, and be able to, you know, build some friendships and more relationships. You know, you waited almost three years after that injury to officially retire from the National Football League. Why did you retire a Philadelphia Eagle instead of a Seattle Seahawk? You know what? I thought about that, man. It took me probably about a year after going through what I went through. And honestly, I came out of that phase of depression right around that third year, man. And um, I thought about it. And the biggest thing for me was, I know Pete Carroll was over in Seattle. I know me and him didn't really have a relationship uh, on the front office. They weren't really there. They used to be there. So I wasn't even sure if they would even allow me to do that. Um, But I did know that in Philly, man, that I had people there that I could trust, people that that I know knew me, people that did respect what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, it made perfect sense. My family was there, uh, people that I loved and care was there. So, you know, I decided to give Howie a call and he, he definitely was like, look, let's do it. And it was not even a question. Uh, Andy, it was not even a question. So, it, you know, it, it was right and, and, and it made sense. Hey man, going back to uh, when you were down in Birmingham uh, rehabbing, and I was down there. I'm going to take you take you back to a little scenario when I was down there visiting with you, and uh, you know, we spent the whole day covering you and, and and watching you rehab and the emotions you went through. And then after your session was done, we walked outside together. It was like 112 <laughs> degrees and humidity was like 200 percent, and we're standing off in a side corridor from the building. And I don't know how it happened. You and I decided to challenge each other in a sing-off and to this day you think you won and I think I won so it's an issue that still remains unsettled between us well you know let me help you you know <laughs> it's not a it's about what I know right? you know I mean if I look Begun, if I have to do woo 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 see that uh-oh, note right there baby? you couldn't that D-Gun you what? can't match it baby. what <laughs> no, you know what? I'm not. I'm not going to do it on no, this platform. When we when no, we see no, each other, put on the platform. Look, when we see each other face to face, it's going down. It's going down. The rematch is you coming. Hey, look, I ain't backing down from nothing, baby. You better bring it. <laughs> look, I know you saying saying with church choirs and stuff like that, but hey, D Gun can hold a note now. I'm just letting you know. Look, I'm gonna be honest with you. I see it in you. I see it, but I just don't know. if <laughs> All right, man. We're gonna see. We're gonna we're gonna cross paths sooner than you think. And, and I think I heard you say you have a master's degree now. Um. Yep. I'll be graduating this uh, this spring. Yes, sir. Leonard Weaver, highly educated man, <laughs> high school head football coach. I, you know, I, I, I'm trying to grasp this, man. I mean, you, you know, not saying that you're not an intelligent man because I know you are, but oh, wow, I, I'm impressed, man. You've inspired oh, man. me to do some other things now. Well, that's awesome, man. I hope so, brother. Hey, look, man, I I can't thank you enough for taking a few minutes out of your busy day to talk to me on Gunna One, the podcast. Uh, And I said it off the top of this podcast. I've said it to you, and I have... I will say it to any and everybody who who will listen. You will never find a, a, a more righteous, more down to earth human being uh, than Leonard wow. Weaver. From the first day I met you to right now, you have always been the same guy, and I appreciate you, and I have the utmost respect for you. What you've gone through, the demons you have overcome, and you're standing tall, and the testimony that you have to share with young men coming up, you're passing that baton along in life to a lot of young men out there, and even women who are going through struggles, man. I mean, we live in a society now where the struggles are much greater than when I was coming up and when you coming up now, and the problems are a lot different than when we were coming up through the ranks. Man, keep keep sharing that testimony, man. Keep getting out there in front of young people and letting them know that there is hope, there is a way. 
and that, you know what, no matter how bad it seems, they can overcome all. There you go, Doc. You're right, man. You, you're right. And I'll keep it on doing, man. It's always a pleasure to be gone. You know, I love you, man. Likewise. I love what you do, man. And uh, like I said, anytime, Doc, but thank you. Yeah, man. All right. That's going to wrap up this latest edition of Gun on Wonder Podcast. Hey, everybody out there, don't forget, download, subscribe, and hit the like button. So until uh, the next time we chat, uh, for all of us here on Gun on Wonder Podcast, hey, as I tell you each and every week, continue to be blessed, but more importantly, be a blessing to each and every person you encounter. Until next time, so long, everybody. Gun on One is a production of D-Gun Enterprises in Patterson Square Garden. Alvin Shabazian and Wes Pendleton are the executive producers on behalf of Patterson Square Garden. Lead producer is Derek Gunn. Associate producer is John McNeil. Sound design, mixing, and mastering by Alvin Shabazian. Original music by Weatherman. For more information about the podcast, visit gunonone.com. And please, don't forget to subscribe and give us a positive rating if you're feeling the show. Thank you. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.